KMTT, Kimitzion, Tetzei Torah, Udvar Hashem Yerushalayim, and this is Ezubek. I'm back, I was away for a few days in South Africa, and therefore we didn't have the Midrash Yomi for a week, and I think even my introductions were missing, if I remember correctly, for, for a day or two. But I'm back, and this is a new week. Today is Yud Dalid Tammuz, Monday. Yud Dalid Tammuz, today's Shir by Arav Binyamin Tavori in the weekly mitzvah for, for Pashat Pinchas. Uh, it's an opportunity at the end of the week maybe for Shabbat. I'll talk a little bit about my trip. What did I learn from going overseas? What did I learn from going to South Africa? It probably won't be a chiddush for South Africans. They've seen lions before, but I'll share it with the rest of the world. But today, we'll stick to the regular schedule. After the Shev of Tavori, I'll be back with the Medrash Yomi, the daily Medrash, for Pashat Pinchas, the Jewish world has been reunified. We're reading the same Pashat HaShavua this week, finally. Everybody's reading Pashat Pinchas. I'll be back after the Shia. Now, Harav Tavoy. After Benoslavchad, came to Moshe and asked him for a share in their Nachala, Moshe asked HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who then revealed to him the various laws of Nachala. And the Torah says, Ish ki yamut uvein levito. If a person dies without a son, then his daughter will inherit him. The Torah then goes on to say, the list of people who inherit. If there's no son, there's a daughter, and then there's a father, a brother, an uncle, all kinds of relatives who inherit when the previous inheritor is not alive. The Torah does not say specifically the laws of a husband and a wife. The Torah at the end of the Parsha of Nachlos, Vavatem et Nachlato You transfer the property, the estate, to She'ero, Hakarovilav, to his closest relative. Whoever remains alive, that's the closest relative, inherits. The word She'ero could mean a relative. The word She'erato could mean also flesh. The question whether She'ero is a generic term referring to any relative, and therefore the relatives who inherit are those that are enumerated in the Torah, or whether She'ero means his own flesh, which could mean in this case a spouse, this question is discussed in the Gemara in Ksubis. We will deal with the Psak Halacha with the halacha as relating to a husband inheriting his wife's estate. As I said before, there's a controversy in the Gemara and Ksubis, but we'll look at the Rishonim to see what the halacha is according to most Rishonim. The Rambam and Elchas Nachlos in the Laws of Inheritance says explicitly the people who inherit. He gives a list of all the people who inherit. 
And the Rambam says in Perik Aleph, Halacha Aleph, he says, Satan Nachlos Kahu, he gives the order of inheritance, and he begins with sons. The Torah, interestingly enough, never really said that a son does inherit. The Torah just said, if a man dies without a son, then his daughter inherits. So it seems, uh, by inference, and everyone in the world agrees to this inference, that when there is a son, the son inherits. But it's just an interesting point that the, Ram, that the, the Torah never said specifically that a son inherits. But obviously, we pass when the son inherits when there is a son. And if there is no other son, the Ram then goes on to say all the other lists. But the Ram then says in Perek Aleph Halachaches, Haisha Baala A woman does not inherit. I said this is not the topic of the Shi'ur, but provisions for a, a widow's financial situation are well taken care of by the Halacha. But she does not receive the inheritance. The Ram then says, Habal Yoresh is kol ishto midivrei selfim. The phrase midivrei selfim we well know is a problematic phrase in the Rambam. Very often it means the Rabbanan, and sometimes we're really not 100% sure what he means. Even in this issue, there is a controversy as to the opinion of the Rambam. There are those that think the Rambam thinks that Yerusha Sabal is Midaraisa, but he calls it Midaraisa. But it seems that most of the commentators in the Rambam assumed that he meant that a husband inherits his wife Midaraisa, Midarabana. And the Rambam says, Who called him Lakobi Yerusha? And he is the first inheritor. Although usually the son would be the first inheritor, in this case, the husband precedes everyone everyone else. The rivet on the spot says, He does not agree. It seems that he disagrees and says that a husband inherits his wife according to biblical law. The Ritva, the Rush, the Ramach, all agree that Yerushas Habal is Doraisa, against the Rambam. So we have in Rishonim the Rambam's opinion that Yerushas Habal is the Rabbanan, but we have a number of opinions, the Ramach and the Ritva specifically, that Yerushas Habal is Midaraisa. If we would assume that a husband does inherit his wife, Minatora, according to the Rishonim who interpret She'ero to mean the wife, would that mean that halachically we see a wife as related to her husband? Normally, when we talk of relatives, we assume that relatives are blood relatives. Father, a son, brothers, uncles. But the legal relationship, which obviously is much more than a legal relationship, but it's engendered by legality, 
engendered by Kiddushin, that relationship might not constitute a, a, a law of krovim, of, of real relatives according to Jewish law. Are they really relatives? Perhaps that's what the Torah is telling us. L'she'ero, the Rambam, the halacha of Shero, for those people that learn, it's min Torah. They learn that the Torah said Shero, Shero means your closest relative, and your closest relative might mean your wife. The Ritva seems to say like this, in Moed Koton, on Davchaf, the Gemara there has a list of the people who inherit. There are different texts in the exact wording of the Gemara, and some people have the word Ishto in it, and some manuscripts do not have the word Ishto in that list. Those people that do not have the list, have the word Ishto in the list, would probably learn that Midrabanan, according to biblical law, a husband does not inherit his wife. This list excludes the women, the, the wife of the husband, if the husband does not inherit his wife at all, and therefore it's not, li- not listed at all. But those that do have it in the text, so it does not prove whether it's Darais or Rabbanan, it just says it is one of the cases where a, a husband inherits. I should have been more specific. The, the case in Moikotin is not referring to inheritance, it's referring to the case of, of Avelus, uh, which we'll get to later, we'll connect the two laws. But I'll just want to prove one example from this Ritva. The Ritva says, the list of people that to whom you can be metame does not include a wife. Why not? So the Ritva answers, the list that's mentioned more cotton to whom a, a husband, a Kohen, obviously. A Kohen is generally not allowed to become Tamei, to become ritually impure to a dead person. But to his relatives, the Torah in Pashas Emor says you can become Tamei. According to some, you must become Tamei. There it doesn't say Ishto in the list. I said we'll get back to the Din of Avelis soon. But the Ritva uses the word The Torah was only referring to the case, or the Brisa, the Gemara, was only referring to the case of Krovim Machmas Kurva. Of Krovim relatives who are relative who are related because of relationship. And not because of Kedushin. Does that mean that there is a relative that's created by Kedushin, but it's not the same as a relative who's created by blood? Or does he mean, no, this is a different halacha? It seems to me the simple words of the Ritva mean that a husband and his wife are related. Although there are two types of relationship. There's a halachic relationship through halacha. A husband and wife are married, and therefore the relationship is that of relatives. Or we could learn that they're not related at all. Relationships are only blood relatives, and a husband and a wife are halachically connected, but not considered as family. I, I mentioned this issue in Hilchos Avelos to draw an inference from that as to why a husband does inherit his wife. If it's a biblical law, we could learn, like I inferred from the Ritva, that they are related. They're related 
through marriage, which is a halachic relationship. On the other hand, Tosfus seems to say that a husband and wife are not related, even if you would hold that it's a biblical law. The Ramba, the Tosfus says in Bava Basra, Daf Kufiyud Gimel, Kevan Shabal Eno Yoresh Machmat Kurva, Ella Machmat Sheirut, Shehem Chashuvim Kibasarecha. A husband does not inherit because of relationship, because of being a relative. Ella Machmat Sheirut, he's called a Sheir. Which means, the idea of a husband and a wife forming one union as if they become one person, that perhaps is true. But it seems to be that according to Tosfus, they are not really related. And Tosfus, in Daf Kuf Yud Dalit Amud in Bava Basra, seems to say a very similar thing. Baal Duloya Yarit Mahmat Kurva. A husband does not inherit because of relationship. Apparently, he is not, according to Tosfus, he is not really related to his wife. He does inher- inherit her. So I said, if a husband is, does inherit his, his wife, is this a biblical law? So uh, we saw the summary shown him, the Raiva, the Ramach, who think that it's a biblical law. And there I asked the question, assuming it is a biblical law, what's the nature of the law? Are they really related? Is it a, rel- a re- relative, which is what I inferred from the Ritva? Or perhaps we could say they're not really related. It's a schus. A husband and a wife are considered to be the same person. Sheiro, basar echad. And therefore, it's in, he it's, he takes over his wife's estate, but he's not really related. The same question would be asked if we paskin that Yerushas Habal is the Rabbanan. If Yerushas Habal is the Rabbanan, which is the opinion of the Rambam, a husband inherits his wife only because of rabbinic law, according to the Torah, he does not inherit. If we assume that that's the position of the Rambam, so, the question would be, again, Midrabanan, or perhaps even Daraisa, are they related at all? Or no, they're not related, neither Midaraisa nor Midrabanan, but the fact that the husband in, in, inherits his wife is not predicated upon the law of being relatives. It's based on a different halacha, and namely, that a husband has certain rights, which he gets when he's married. At the same time, the wife gets rights when she gets married. The Rambam in Hilchos Ishus, Perek Yud Beis, explains that there are ten things that a husband owes his wife when they get married. She has ten rights. Ten, he has ten obligations to her when they get married. And he, at the same time, receives four rights. And the Rambam says, All the laws, the four things, 
that a husband receives, the privileges that he receives, midivrei selfim, uh, there it seems midivrei selfim is clearly the Rabbanan. It's a rabbinic law that a husband receives four things. Ve'eluhen. One, her income goes to him. Of course, I didn't talk about his obligations to her, which involve total support. He's got to support his wife totally. And therefore, uh, seems to be almost quid pro quo, she has to give her income to him. The Ramam continues, for our purposes, if she should die while he is alive, he inherits. He inherits. And he is the primary inheritor. There, the Ravid also disagrees and says, The Ravid seems to think clearly that a husband inherits his wife according to biblical law. The Rambam thinks it's only the Rabbanan. And therefore, the argument is mentioned in two places. But, what we have seen from the Rambam is that the rights of a husband to the Yerusha are a zchus that he has when he gets married. It doesn't seem to be that they're actually related. It seems to be that it's a zchus. That he has, he has rights to her estate, both when, he's, when she is alive after her death, he inherits the estate. And this seems to be a zchus mamon, simply a monetary law, but it does not seem to be based on kurva. I've said before that the summary would be we have a machlokas if Yerusha Sabal, if a husband inherits, is it Minatora or Midrabanan? But if he does inherit, we raise the issue. Does he inherit because he's a relative? Or is he, does he inherit because of a, uh, he's either Shero or it's a, or it's a uh, financial agreement, financial arrangement that was instituted either by the Torah or by Chachamim? And I said this question could be asked whether we pass in Yerusha Sabal as the Raisa or Yerusha Sabal as the Rabbana. Mentioned before in the name of the Ritva, the issue applies as well to the laws of Avelus. The relationship of a husband and a wife would find another ramification in the laws of mourning. As I said before, uh, a Kohen is not allowed to become ritually impure, to a mace. A Kohen is forbidden to come into contact with a dead body. Pasuk in Emor, Lenefesh lo yitamabamav. A Kohen cannot be kamtame. The Rambam, the Torah then goes on to say, Ki im Only to she'ero, and again we have that same enigmatic word, she'ero. A Kohen is allowed and perhaps required to become Tamei to She'ero. And then the Torah goes on to say, who are the relatives? Li'imo, la'avi, v'livno, levito, la'achi, absula. The Rams explains that there are six relatives here. There is father, brother, 
father, mother, son, sister, brother, and daughter. I didn't give the proper order in English, but uh, the six relatives, again, are father and mother, son and daughter, brother and sister. What about a wife? So we could learn the Pasuk in two ways. It's very interesting to see how we could read the Pasuk. Kim could mean to your relative, Colin. And who are those relatives? One, two, three, four, five, six. We could learn the Pasuk differently. Kim is the first one to whom you become Tame. And that is Sheirah your closest She'er, which would mean your wife. And then the Torah goes on with two, three, four, five, six, seven. The basic question is the Torah said a Kohen can become Tameh to his relatives. Does it mean seven relatives? Or does it mean six relatives? Six relatives and not your wife. The Raman Paskins, everybody Paskins, that a Kohen is Tameh to his wife. But the question is, is this a biblical law or a rabbinic law? The Rambam explains in Hilchas Avil, Perek Bey's Halacha Aleph, Eilu she'adam chayav litabel alihem din Torah. These are the people that, to whom a person must mourn. Imo aviv beno vitov achiv achoto. Me'aviv. His mother, his father, his son, his daughter, his brother, his sister. Umidivrehem. Now here, this is clearly Midrabanan. Midivrehem. Sha'yitabel ha'ish al ishto. Hanesua. That a person should mourn for his wife. But the Ram says clearly, it's Drabanan. The Ram also says that a Kohen can become Tameh. The laws of becoming Tameh and the laws of Avela seem to be connected intrinsically. And the Ram and Paskins there in Hilchas Avel Perik Beis Halachazayin, even if he doesn't want to, a Kohen has to become Tameh to his wife. This halach is only midrabana, midivrei sofim. Again, the the issue is used midivrei sofim. But since the Rambam said in halacha aleph midivreim she yisabel adam alishto, she yisabel ha'ishalishto, it seems that this is clearly drabana. And the Rambam had then obviously has a question: How could it be the Chachamim told the person to become tamei? I, I understand that there might not be a biblical law of avelus. Perhaps the Torah, the laws of Avelis, which are predicated upon the laws of Tumah, of Tumas Meis, of those people to whom a Kohen can become Tameh, those laws, Midrabanan, could, you could say that a, a man should be in Avel for his wife, even if it's not required by the Torah, even if it's not within the Torah parameters. But there's nothing wrong with saying a person can become, should, should become an Avel. But 
how could it be mid Rabbanan that a Kohen is allowed to become Tameh? The Torah said you're not allowed to become Tameh. And if we learn that a wife is not included in the, in the laws of these, these laws of the Torah, then a Kohen would not be allowed to be Metameh to his wife. How could it be that a Chachamim could get up and say, do something against the Torah? We have a general principle that Chachamim can tell you not to fulfill the law of the Torah. The Torah that Chachamim can tell you, for example, not to blow shofar on Shabbos. Or even if it's on Shabbos of Rosh Hashanah. Or not to, not to uh, take a lulav on Shabbos of Sukkot, because that's Shev Altaseh. Those are things that we refrain from doing. Chazal have the power to tell a person not to do a mitzvah. But to go to tell a person to do an Avera, how did Chacham have such a power? How can they tell the Kohen, who is not allowed to be Metami Lishto, according to Biblical law, how can they tell him that you must do it? So the Ramam has the phrase, Aso Kimes Mitzvah. They made him, they considered him as the case of a mes mitzvah. What is that? She'en lo yoresh elahu. Lo timsa mishita segba. Because since he inherits, inherits her, now we said that inheriting her is a rabbinic law according to the Rambam. But nevertheless he inherits, inherits her. Since he is the inheritor, the assumption is nobody else will bother making the arrangements. They feel he has the estate, he is he's the husband, he should take care. Now the law of a mes mitzvah is anybody to whom nobody will t- will is, is taking care, then a Kohen is required, according to law, to take care of this person. When someone else is related and will take care of, of a dead person, then a, a Kohen is not allowed to become Tameh. But in the case of a Mes Mitzvah, where the Kohen is the one who is the responsibility to take care of this person, even though, according to biblical law, he should not have become Tameh, but there's a biblical law that for a Mes Mitzvah is Metameh. He is allowed to become Tameh to a Mes Mitzvah. The Chachamim didn't uproot the law of the Torah according to the way the Ramam explained it. What they did is they defined a wife as a mes mitzvah. Since the husband is the primary caretaker, we would assume that nobody else would be would get involved in a case where there is a husband. Therefore, Midrabanan, we look at her as a mes mitzvah, and therefore the, the, the husband, even though he's a Kohen, has a responsibility to take care, and even to become tame if necessary, even if not necessary. He has to take care. He has to become Tamitar. So, the interesting thing is that this law is Midrabana. Again, I said the Ritva before said that Kohen is Metami to his wife, Minatora. And the Rambam says, no, a Kohen is Metami to his wife, Midivrei Sofrim, Midrabanan, as a Mes Mitzvah. All the questions that we asked earlier can be asked repeated here. If a Kohen is metame to his wife, midaraisa according to Ritva, is it because they're related? Or because the Torah said, calls her She'ero. It's a responsibility. The question is stronger according to the Rambam. According to the Ritva, that a Kohen is metame to his wife, it seems to be that it's a 
Kara of Machmas Kedushin. It is considered relative, and it makes sense that in order to be Mekam Tame, you have to be a relative, and Shero is considered a relative. According to the Rambam, we said, Midrabanan, a, a husband and a wife, husband does inherit his wife. But I said in the Rambam, they're not really related, even Midrabanan. The halacha is that he has a schus to be Yoresher, to inherit her. It would therefore seem that for the laws of Yerusha, we would say the same thing. The same question I asked before would be asked here. But according to the Rambam, I would therefore say that a Kohen is allowed to be Tami to his wife, Midrabana, but it's not because she's a relative, because she's a Mace Mitzvah. This is one of the things that's created by Kedushin. The same way Kedushin creates certain obligations and certain rights at the inception of Kedushin, at the death of the spouse, the husband still is the primary care, caretaker, and therefore it's a, more of a financial type of thing that a Kohen is Metami. Interestingly enough, the Raivid in Hilchas Avel is quiet. In Hilchas Ishus, the Raivid mentioned, and in Hilchas Nachlaus, that he disagreed with the Rambam. He apparently thought that a husband inherits his wife Midoraisa. He's a biblical law that he inherits his wife. If that would mean that they're related, then it would seem logical that the Rama, the Raven interpreted the word Sheiro as being a relative. If he interpreted the word Sheiro as being a relative, then in the laws of Avelus, when he says you can become tummy to a mace, he should have used the he should have thought the same thing, that a Kohen is metami to his wife, midaraisa, And he should have disagreed with the Rambam in Hilchas too. So the question that I'm asking is, why did the Raivid argue with the Rambam in Hilchas Ishus and say that I think that a husband is called She'ero in the Torah and therefore inherits his wife mina Torah? However, in the laws of Avelos, the Rambam says a husband, according to the Torah, does not in, is not metami to his wife. She's not called Sheiro, and the Ravid kept quiet. The, the question itself needs no answer per se, because the Ravid may not have been consistent in writing every single place where he disagreed with the Rambam. It's a famous question that scholars in Tamerich Chachamim have argued whether you can bring any proofs from the fact that the Raivid did not argue with a particular Rambam. The uh, Professor Tversky has written a book both on the Rambam and the Raivid, and he, he's raised this issue a number of times that an argumentio excellentia, the argument from silence, is questionable in the Raivid because there's many Rambams that are obviously or seem to be so out of uh, conforming with the accepted opinion that the Ravid is silent, it's very doubtful the Ravid would agree to every Rambam that he that was silent about. There are people who disagree and say if the Ravid was silent, he automatically agreed with the Rambam. So, therefore, my question really is not such a great question because perhaps the Ravid disagrees with the Rambam and Hechel as well, and he thinks what the Torah meant as Shero includes the laws of Avelus as well, and the husband has to be Tami to his wife, according to that could be the truth of what the Ravid thinks. However, 
if we would want to say the Ravid is totally consistent, and he did not disagree with the Rambam Nechazavel, we would be left with the following situation. The Ravid thinks that a husband and a wife, in a sense, are related, because he does inherit his wife according to biblical law. On the other hand, he may agree with the Rambam that a Kohen is not matami to his wife. How would we reconcile these two opinions if they indeed exist? I think the this opinion, although it's not specific in the Ravid, could easily be explained by our main question. When the Ravid says that a husband does inherit his wife, does he really mean to say that a husband and a wife are related according to biblical law? Like I said, it might be may be inferred from the Ritva in Moikatan, or perhaps the Ravid thinks that I agree in principle with the Rambam. A husband and a wife are not actually related. But there's a schus, mamonit, there is a schus that a husband gets in his wife's estate, which the Torah gave him. It's a biblical law that he, he, he's Yawish's wife, but not because of kurva, not because of relationship, not the normal type of relationship. And therefore, to be metame to his wife, you would need a law of kurva. For there, you would need a, a, a law of, of relationship. Not just a zchut mamonit, which is caused by a halachic uh, concept of marriage. For the, In order to allow the coin, or require the coin to become tame, you would actually require a definition of kurva. Maybe the rabbi thinks kurva doesn't exist. They're not really krovin. Maybe they're called she'er for the purpose of of Yerusha. But that concept would not apply to the laws of Avel as well. To summarize, we've learned two famous machlokas to be found in Rishonim. A Kohen is allowed to be mitami to his wife, but it's a question whether it's the Araisa or the Rabbanan. A husband inherits his wife, but it's a question whether it's the Araisa or the Rabbanan. Are the two questions interrelated? Perhaps they are. Perhaps they're one question. Are they related or not related? Or perhaps we could distinguish and say that a Kohen needs to be related to his wife in order to inherit, in order to become Tameh. But a person need not be related halachically to his wife. Or perhaps related halachically is true, but not related by, by marriage, by blood, in order to inherit her. So a, the line of the the opinion of the Rambam is that a Kohen is not allowed midaraisa to be mitame to his wife midraban and he is allowed a Kohen of a regular husband does not inherit his wife according to biblical law midraban and he does and we saw there are other opinions in both questions You have been listening to Arab Binyamin Tavori, the weekly mitzvah for Pashat Pinchas. And now, the Midrash Hayomi, the daily Midrash. Today's Pasha, Pashat Pinchas, a meaning from a Midrash that appears in the beginning. It actually refers to Pasuk that appears in the middle. The Midrash is out of place. I'm skipping, I'm staying. I'm sticking with the order that appears in the Midrash, although it's not the order of the Pesukim. This goes on the Pasuk that appears in the middle of the Pasha when God appeals to Moshe Rabbeinu to appoint someone who will replace him. Because he knows that he's going to die, because God has told him that he will not count Eretz Yisrael, but will die. And Moshe says to God, Yifkod Adonai, Rohei Haruchot Lechol Basar, Ish Al Ha'ida. 
an unusual and unique appellation for God. Moshe says to God, you should appoint you, who? God, Hashem, who is the God of the spirits of all flesh. You should appoint a man over the congregation. The Midrash referring to this expression, Elokei Haruchot Lechol Basar. The Midrash says, Halacha. There's a Halacha. It's not a Midrash. It's a Halacha. Im ra'a habay uchlusin shel bnei adam, omer baruch ata Hashem elokeinu melech haolam, hacham harazim. In the list of berachot that are made over special occasions, special experiences, Gemara in berachot afnun chet, it appears this bracha, a rare and infrequent one, if one sees great populations of people, one says, Baruch Atah Hashem Akeh Melech HaOlam, Chacham HaRazim, God is the wise of the secrets. You'll ask, what is the connection between saying huge masses of people and saying that God is wise of that which is secret? So the Midrash explains, Keshem She'en Partzufei Hen, because people in great masses are not a mass of people just as their faces are individual do not compare do not are not similar one to another so too their minds their opinions their inner lives are not equal one to the other just as their faces are not similar so too their minds are not the same but each one has his own mind, his own de'a. Similarly, it says in Iyob, So explaining the halacha, it means that when you see a lot of people, and that God relates to all of them, that's an amazing chachm, which is really impossible, because we, whenever we relate to people, we relate by rules. You have Three kinds of people, four kinds of people. But if you teach a class, or you, you, sure, if you see 600,000 people, you'll view them as a mass. And you'll think of some mass psychology rule, and you'll apply that to all of them. But God is not like that. God knows the individual ruach of each person, and that is almost multiplied infinitely. Each individual person is an individual, and God relates to each on an individual level. That's Chacham HaRazim. That's an amazing and transcendent degree of Chochmah, of wisdom, which is not found in the world except in God. Now back to our parasha. Shekain, Shehukain. How do I know this is true? That each person is different and God's relationship and understanding of him is different. When Moshe comes to ask for God when he's dying, the request that I opened up with, he said to God, it is clear to you, you know the inner life, the intelligence, the spirit, the mind of each one. And the mind of each of your children, the Jews, is different one from the other. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That they're so individual. It sounds good, but for a leader it's very, very difficult. And when I die, he says to God, please appoint someone over them who will be their leader, who will be able to carry, to suffer each one and each individual one according to his own mind, according to his own personality. That's what the word da'at really means. Shenemar, Yifkod Hashem, 
Haruach Eino Omer. He doesn't say God who is the God of the Spirit, but Haruchot. God is the God of the spirits of all flesh. Elokei Haruchot Lechol Basar. Why was that the appellation that Moshe gave to God in this Pasuk? Because he's asking for a leader. And the whole problem of a leader is the differences and divergences and individualism of those whom he is leading. To be a leader is not to lead a herd. To be a leader is to lisbol, to, it means to suffer, but suffer in the, in the medieval sense, to carry, to bear the burden of each one and one, the fida'ato, according to his own individuality, his own inner spirit. And that's, find somebody who says, you really and truthfully understand man in his individuality, find a leader who will be able somehow, similarly to you, to do the same, to do, to do the same thing. We will continue with this Midrash tomorrow because Midrash, in a slightly different manner, continues in the same vein, but a different vein, an interesting understanding of God's answer to Moshe based on the, re- the request and, 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 uh, question that Moshe had addressed to God as understood by the Midrash in today's Midrash. You've been listening to KMTT, the Shiur of Harav, Binyamin Tavoy in the weekly mitzvah for Pashat Binchas, followed by the Midrash Hayumi, the daily Midrash, given by myself as Rebek. And you were listening to KMTT, the Torah podcast. Wishing you all the best, Koltuv. You should have Kfiut in learning, a regular time for learning. I think KMTT is a great thing. I just came back from Africa and I met people there who listened to KMTT. I was very pleased. First time I met, a, I met real people who actually listened to this and not just my computer. But the real purpose is you should have a kviut, a set time. Since we all have time for which is appropriate, whether it's in the car or on the train or when you're walking or jogging, who knows, get yourself a, a waterproof iPod. You can do it when you're swimming. But there is time, half hour a day. That's the real purpose. Lunchtime. Find the time. And spend a half hour with us. Bibakat Atorah Mitzion. This has been Ezra Bek. And we'll be back tomorrow with the Shur in uh, philosophy in the essentials of Avodat Hashem of Arav Moshe Tarragon. And until then, Koltov, the Eretz Yisrael. And we'll be back tomorrow.